This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hello and welcome to New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell. We have a lot for you on the show today, including an update on COVID-19. We'll talk with Cassie Crandall and her five things. Also, Unity South Twin Cities is here with a continuing lesson on the five principles. Our supporting sponsor, AARP Minnesota, makes a contribution. A word to the wise, financial information, and an update from Minnesota Public Housing with Kitty Harris, a property manager there. All this and more on New Beginnings. Let's get started. Immunologist Dr. Anthony Fauci joins us, Chief Medical Advisor to the White House. Efforts are underway to get all Americans updated on the COVID-19 vaccine for protection for this fall and through the holiday season. Leading the charge, the president has himself been vaccinated earlier. Will we ever have all the tools we need to fight this virus, Dr. Fauci? Together with the availability of an antiviral like Paxlovid, there's no reason today in our particular time Given the tools that we have, no one should really succumb to COVID with the vaccines and antivirals we have. So we always can do better, and we're continuing to try and get better tools. But the ones that we have right now are being underutilized. And that was one of the points the president made, that not enough people thus far have utilized the availability of this new updated booster shot. And that's what he was making the point by publicly getting vaccinated to show the public how easy it is to get vaccinated. How will this message resound in the African-American community, Dr. Fauci? Well, it's particularly important for the African-American community to utilize these tools that we have, vaccines and antiviral, because historically, Throughout this pandemic, brown and black people have suffered disproportionately more. One, they get infected more frequently because as a population in general, obviously it's dangerous to generalize, but it is true that more so than other cohorts, African-Americans are in jobs that put them out in essential work where they're out in society exposing themselves to the virus. And also, once they do get infected, African Americans, because of a historic history here of the social determinants of health, have a higher degree of the underlying conditions, which make them more likely to have a severe outcome if they do get infected. And I refer to things like diabetes, hypertension, obesity, chronic lung disease, kidney disease, all of those things are more prevalent in the African-American population. And when they wind up getting infected, they have a greater chance of getting a severe outcome, which is all the more reason why African-Americans should get the updated booster vaccine that's readily available, free, safe, and effective. With the triple-demic that is being called, the flu, RSV, and COVID, uh, this is especially important. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And that's the reason why you should also get your flu shot. 
and you should get it soon. We want to get everybody vaccinated before Halloween with both flu and the new COVID-19 updated booster. Respiratory syncytial virus, we don't have a vaccine for, and children less than five years old are particularly vulnerable, as are the elderly, which is the reason why you should practice good respiratory hygiene, being careful when you're in congregate settings where you don't know the status of people's vaccine. You might want to wear a mask. I'm not saying mandating it. I'm not saying requiring it. But good common sense should tell you that if you are vulnerable or if you live in a household with vulnerable people, you should consider doing those types of things. Finally, are you ready to talk about the next chapter of your career? Well, it's still up in the air because I am still the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and I really should not be, for ethical reasons, (laughs) negotiating any jobs while I'm still working for the government. So I'll wait till I step down. But I will be doing something I can tell you in general, in health, in science, and in public affairs. So you're going to be hearing more from me. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again after I step down. Of course, we're looking forward to it. And thank you for helping to keep us safe. And we wish you all the best in your career. Thank you. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci joining us today. And we've got more coming up. Stay with us. Minneapolis Public Housing is right now on New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to New Beginnings. Boy, some great conversations going on today, and we've got another one yet ready for you. Kitty Harris joins us now from the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center, where she is the property manager. And welcome back, Kitty. How are you? Good morning, Freddie. I am great. How are you? Unbelievable. And I'm just really excited for you because there was a huge event at the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center just yesterday. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, we were very excited to hold um, our first health and wellness fair that we were able to do since COVID-19. So we were excited to bring that community resource back. We had over 30 vendors here on yesterday and served over 100 community members um, with COVID vaccines, with flu boosters, um, and just a lot of great information and a lot of free screenings to the community. So um, it was a very uh, well-attended event. How important, and what was it called? Was this a community health fair, or did you have a, a different fancy name for it? Nope, it was just called a um, health fair. We we titled it Heritage Park Health Fair because it was a partnership mm-hmm. with Heritage Park Neighborhood Association. They had reached out to us and with a desire of wanting to just get the word out about um, the resources that we have here at Cora McCorvey for their seniors in their community. And so that's how that collaboration ended up opening up. And they um, they also brought the Twin Cities mobile market so that people could have access to fresh fruits and vegetables along with the free screenings and free information that we had available. When you take a look at the people who came, what's the idea? Was was it, uh, it's, it's interesting because I'm asking you, what was it like for people to be together again? Because that that is the community hub, the Heritage Park Center itself. What's it like to see people together in one place where we've been so broken up over the last two or three years? 
it was very energizing to have um, that liveliness back in the building. You know, as as you know, during COVID, our center never closed. We were still open and operating during our our business services, but we had a hold on some of our community programming and events. And that's what the spirit of the Cormac Corby Health and Wellness Center is: having those community gatherings, those those bingos, those galas, those health fairs, and so being able to see so many people and getting information doing what we do best, what we've done before COVID of having our aerobics demonstrations and our health food demonstrations and Mm -hmm. just let seeing people get their screenings. It was great. Um, And it let us know that, you know, although we are in cold and flu season, um, it's still we're able to get back out (laughs) together and gather safely um, and get those much needed health screenings and information for our community. I have a fundamental question. Is the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center Uh, something that an individual who lives in the community has to sign up to be a part of? No, you don't have to sign up to come to the center. Now, if you're utilizing any of our partner services, of course, you'd have to make appointments if you're going to the doctor, if you're going to therapy. But when we're having events like the health and wellness fairs or we're having bingo or um, we're having uh, just a sing out program. Those are things that are free and open to the community and people can just pop in for those activities. And as we start to have more things um, in this post pandemic world, we're excited to welcome people back to the center and we're reimagining how we operate and how we serve our community. All right. How can we get more information about the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center and all of its partners? Yes, they can give us a call at 612-344-2221 to learn more about our partner services or visit us on Facebook under Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center. She's Kitty Harris from the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center, and I'm Freddie Bell, and this is New Beginnings. I'm glad you're joining us this weekend. It's time now for It Happened This Week. In 1517, Martin Luther posted the 95 Thesis on the door of the Wittenberg Palace Church, marking the beginning of the Protestant Reformation in Germany. In 1926, legendary illusionist Harry Houdini died at the age of 52. And in 1941, Mount Rushmore was completed. In 1942, the next year, Bing Crosby's hit White Christmas topped the singles chart. And in 1964, Baby Love was the top song by the Supremes. In 1970, singer Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas married actor Dennis Hopper. The couple famously divorced eight days later. In 1983, Pro Football Hall of Famer Papa Bear George Hallis died at the age of 88. And you probably remember in 2005, just days after attorney Harriet Myers bowed out of her nomination to replace Sandra Day O'Connor on the U.S. Supreme Court, President Bush announced federal judge Samuel Alito as his next pick to fill the vacancy on the bench. The next year, in 2006, after 35 years at the helm, beloved game show host Bob Barker announced he would retire from CBS's The Price is Right at the end of the 2006-2007 television season. And finally, in 2015, Triple Crown winner American Pharoah won the Breeders' Cup Classic in the final race of his career. American Pharoah became the first horse to win the Triple Crown and the Breeders' Cup. It happened this week. And I'm Freddie Bell. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome back to New Beginnings. I am Freddie Bell, and joining me now, we'd like to call him our career expert, Mr. Joe McKenzie. He turns candidates into contenders through the vehicle called Ripple Connects. And if you'd like to reach Joe McKenzie, you can reach him at 763-438-1621. Just as a way of background, tell us about Ripple Connects, Joe McKenzie. Ripple Connects is a company that I founded that helps people reinvent, recalibrate their careers through a different means of um, engaging with their natural network as well as just highlighting their transferable skills. So often we think we have to have the same career over 40 years, but there's great opportunities in the Twin Cities here to reinvent or recalibrate your career regardless of your age and, and just focusing on what you really want to do and just harnessing those transferable skills. And I help bring out the best in people. You know, it's it's within them. But I just draw it out so they have a better opportunity or better chance of landing that ideal engagement. Indeed. And Joe McKenzie has been a longtime partner with New Beginnings. And every November, we take time to talk about family caregiving and balancing your career because November is really special to you, Joe McKenzie. Yeah, November is National Family Caregivers Month. And, Freddie, I believe this may be our eighth year that we've covered this topic. Uh, to honor the 50 million caregivers across this country who support aging parents, ill spouses, or other older and disabled loved ones who remain in the home. And often they, they balance a job. It's unpaid care that they're giving, but very meaningful care for their loved ones. And I've been there. My, my, my dad with Alzheimer's was supported by my siblings, and one in particular, my oldest brother, provided that care for my father to uh, essentially live in his home, even with the, the Alzheimer's. So it, it, struck, it struck home with me several years ago, but I also know, Freddie, that it's important that we talk about it here in, in the first weekend of November, that November is National Family Caregiver Month, so we can reach the people that may be balancing a career, a job, as well as providing care uh, for someone at home and just pointing out some of the resources and let them know you're not alone. Indeed, everyone, we're talking with Joe McKenzie, our career expert, and we're talking about family caregiving and balancing your career. Uh, when you go into becoming a family caregiver, uh, there is actually no school for that, Joe McKenzie. No, there's not. Um, and for many years, I know personally, it was just trying to find the right resources so we could identify local resources so we could take care of our father. But I also heard that through a number of people that I knew that they were struggling to find those resources and just what do you do next? And along with that, all the stresses and the pull of your own career, to, for the most part, it can be a, quite the balancing act for somebody to be able to, to pull both off. And uh, I think just talking about it today, identifying some local resources or a, you know a go-to place where they can find some resources – and just, you know, maybe they think of someone that's going through uh, being a caregiver for a loved one as well as, at, you know, maybe you're working with someone who's doing that. And New Beginnings has always been about sharing resources. And I think this is why in our eighth year of covering family uh, National Family Caregivers Month, it's important today as we started eight years ago, Freddie. It sure is. And when you're talking about aging parents, that really is a role reversal for the parents and the uh, sibling. Now the sibling is taking care of the parent. How did you work through that when you were taking care of your of your father? Well, it was a, a shift being one of the youngest of my my eight person uh, sibling group. 
trying to get your your father to um, take care of himself. Meaning, how do you, how do you convince him to go to a doctor's appointment? How do you convince him that this person you brought in to do some some home health care is that person that's going to help him? It, Freddie, it was stressful. Um, it it was very awkward for me, and I had to really turn to a lot of different people I knew just so I could have a conversation with my father who was dealing with Alzheimer's, just so we could still provide the care for him. Um, I didn't know where to turn other than having conversations with people that I knew that were going through similar things with their parents. And it very stressful, very awkward, but I know at the end of the day we were we were trying to do our best for our dad. You know, a World War II vet raised all eight of us, good community leader, but here he needed us. And... Um, yeah, it was um, an experience that I, I'll never forget. In the moment, you don't realize that there are actual uh, plenty of resources that are out there for people who are uh, giving care to their family members. That's exactly right. You know, you, you're dealing with, you know, different appointments. You're dealing with uh, different siblings and their schedules. I don't think you're moving so fast in your life. And for me, it was, you think about it, I I was... Also, a, uh, a main main force behind raising my children, too, along with my wife. So, you know, my, my triplets at that time were 10, 11, 12 years old. So I was getting pulled in, seemed like, three different directions. Um, but And I think a lot of people could say that they're, they're raising children and, and caring for elderly parents as well as balancing co- a career. And you're right. You, you have to figure out early on where those resources are. So you can get that best information, best practices, local resources, so you as a caregiver can stay strong for your loved one. That makes a lot of sense, everyone. We're talking with Joe McKenzie, and we're talking about family caregiving and balancing your career because November is National Family Caregivers Month. It's really interesting. Talk about the work side of it. Uh, Do you find that employers in your research are open and understanding about of balancing, taking care of a loved one, uh, being that caregiver, and still handling the duties of the day. I think the uh, any so anybody that's working should probably sit down with their human resources or their direct, you know, the, their their supervisor, boss, owner, to explain some of the limitations that you may have, and you know, share that paint that picture of what you're up against, but also that willingness to try to find a way to balance it out. If you, if, I think employers only know so much about each of their employees. I think it's up to the individual to bring it forward, bring that attention to, hey, I'm. this is what I'm working through. Maybe there could be some opportunities for work from home uh, or kind of a more of a regular type of a schedule. I think you do have to communicate with your employer to make sure that it works for everybody there. But that is definitely stressful too, because now things are shifting. You may feel stressed that the employer is not going to be open to that. But I think at the end of the day, good communication of what you're working through with your employer is a good first step. I know I did that. My wife, Nancy did that with, with her employer when we were caring for her mother. It, it's so critical to communicate and just and most employers will be open to what what you're working through but you know be be part of the solution of how it's going how are you going to make that work makes a lot of sense even in caregiving you do some fine work at ripple connects 
Yes, we do. We turn candidates into contenders. And this is New Beginnings. Now it's time to see what's going on for the new beginners out there. Let's bring in three things with Cassie Crandall. Thank you, Freddie. And this is my thing one this week. Have you ever been to the Chanhassen Dinner Theater? Well, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's a lovely little venue, and they put on some great performances. Coming up this month, Love Letters, a play by A.R. Gurney. Remember former news anchor Don Shelby? Well, guess what? He, along with Nancy Nelson, are starring in this performance of Love Letters starting Wednesday, November 9th. A little more about the play, A.R. Gurney's Pulitzer Prize-nominated work, which ran successfully on Broadway and throughout the country, is a timeless piece directed by Chanhassen resident artistic director Michael Brindisi. And remember, there are only eight performances, so seating is limited. Check it out, Chanhassen Dinner Theater. And thing number two, it's getting to be that time. Holly Dazzle. Holly Dazzle unveils plans for 2022 celebration in Loring Park. The festival will run for four weekends, starting the Friday after Thanksgiving. You'll be able to shop local businesses, visit Santa, or check out the Big Slide or the Carousel. There will be food vendors, as well as the Fulton Beer Garden. New events this year, including roller skating and giveaways every weekend. Somehow I would think it would be ice skating rather than roller skating, but that's what they're saying. And of course, you can get a picture with the Holly Dazzle Yeti. <laughs> Holly Dazzle is back starting Thanksgiving weekend. Last but not least, my thing number three. Here's a quote. If you could erase all the mistakes of your past, you would also erase all the wisdom of your present. Remember the lesson not the disappointment. For New Beginnings, I'm Cassie Crandall. Thanks so much, Cassie. We'll talk to you again next week. In today's world, we really need words of encouragement. Introducing Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Let your mind be opened by the wisdom of thought. Let the inspiration of the words feed your mind, body, and spirit. Regardless of the issues you face each day, Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell can help you power through. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell, a handy reference. Available on Amazon, freddiebell.com, and Barnes & Noble. You would do anything to protect the ones you love. Help make sure your child is protected from dangerous diseases by getting them vaccinated. Talk to your doctor or clinic today about the vaccines your child needs and the safety measures they have in place to protect your family during COVID-19. Go to health.mn.us slash immunize for more. This message powered by the Minnesota Department of Health. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings, New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to talk finance with Libel Sternbach. Libel is an Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. We're continuing our conversation about side hustles. Uh, just to bring everybody up to date again, what is a side hustle? 
side hustle is a way of monetizing your knowledge or time on the side, not as a full-time job. And uh, you also mentioned when we were together that a lot of people who are baby boomers in particular have side hustles. They leave and retire, and then they contract themselves back to the company from which they were working, and you call that consulting. Yep. So there, that is the, certainly a, a path that I highly recommend people doing. Um, I think consulting is a great side gig. And you mentioned some challenges when we were together. You said there are two big challenges that retirees face when they start a side hustle. What are those two challenges? So the two challenges that you really face is that when you enter this world of side hustles or side gigs, is you become a predator. You become prey for these predators out there um, who are looking to sell you things, whether it's online courses or they're just looking to take advantage of you. And so you need to be very weary of people who are trying to sell you stuff. Um, if it's if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Um, so you really you really gotta have a sharp eye for that stuff, and you gotta you gotta say no to more things than you say yes to. Um, and you really should say no to almost everything, unless it's going to actually make you money, right? Because the good things out there. They'll, they'll give you an opportunity to make money. They don't really need you to pay money in order to make money. Interesting. So if the, will a rule of thumb be if they're asking you to invest your money so that you can have a side hustle, that's probably not a good hustle for you? Yeah, that, that probably means that their hustle is making money from you and not making you money. <laughs> so what are the drawbacks of having a side hustle? You, you just mentioned how great it could be. Uh, but what are, are there any drawbacks to having that side hustle in retirement? Yeah, so there are some drawbacks. There are some drawbacks that you should consider. Um, number one, right, is the involvement, right? So you have the time involvement that, you know, this thing is it's going to take up time in your life. Um, and you are retired, right? So unless you don't, if you don't need the money and you don't need and you have what to fill your days with, then why are you doing it, right? Now, if you do need the money, um, and it is some, then find something that takes the least amount of time, right? Don't just go for anything. Um, like I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, they were like, oh, you know, I'll get a job doing, you know, uh, in daycare, you know, assisting in daycare. I'm like, why would you be a daycare assistant, which pays, you know, minimum wage when you could be a consultant for the daycare facility? You've been running a daycare for 25 years. You know the ins and outs. You can show people how to set up a daycare facility and make a lot more money doing that. So what I want you to do in retirement, right, when you're thinking of how do I make money is ask yourself the question of how can I benefit the most amount of people or who stands to make the most amount of money off of the knowledge that I have? And then go to that person and offer them your services, offer them your knowledge or your ability and ask them what they're willing to pay, right? Because that's how you should monetize your time and your expertise in retirement. You should do that now too. Uh, you may not have the ability now to do it, but in general, that's how you should do it. Um, but your time becomes a lot more valuable. It's not worth minimum wage, right? It's worth it's worth as a lot <laughs> because you got a lot less of it. The last time we were talking, you mentioned uh, the janitor who has who's become an expert in uh, cleaning schools, you use that as an example, and maybe he's been there 30 years. 
I heard a rule of thumb that is two and a half times what you are making in a consultancy based on what you're making before is a good place to start? You you can charge really whatever you want, right? Like, uh, the uh, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but the, the, the saying goes, right? Um, a guy comes and says, you know, I... I need my engine fixed, right? And he goes shopping around to engineers, right? And the engineers all come and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to cost whatever to fix it. And then he comes to one engineer and the guy says, um, you know, he comes in and he takes his hammer and he bangs on it once and he says, it's $30,000. He says, why is that $30,000? And he says, the hammer is five dollars, and then twenty nine thousand dollars, nine of whatever to know where to bang it, right? <laughs> that, <laughs> but that's really uh, the truth, right? Man. It's you, you, the knowledge and experience you have. Don't underestimate that, and and it's not just that. It's there's this emotional intelligence, right? That should not be underestimated, right? There, it it, it is seriously lacking right now the ability to connect with other people on an emotional level. Um, it, it is the fact that you understand customers, you understand their needs, and you understand why they want things, right? Like a janitor who's been working as a janitor for, you know, 30 years in a school district, they're not cleaning the school because of the money, right? They're cleaning it because they know that it makes the students happy because it because they know that when the bathrooms are clean and the hallways are clean, everyone is happier and they learn better and have better outcomes, right? And it makes everyone's life better, right? They know they know the kids whose you know parents are drug addicts, and this is their only safe haven. Mm-hmm. They, but that emotional intelligence, right? That knowledge, that that awareness of why these things are important. That's something that that it's something that's not taught in school. It's something that's like a very nurture kind of thing. And it, the environment that we're raised in now with technology surrounded by instant messaging and, you know, with uh, five second attention spans, it's something that, that is lacking. Right. And it's something that businesses need to figure out how to educate their personnel on. So, you, but it's something that everyone who has, didn't grow up with technology or grew up with limited technology innately has. Very And being able to identify that and connect those needs is incredibly valuable. I have another question for you. However, before we get there, do you have anything on yields4u.com that speaks to side hustles? So we have, we have some articles, and we have a course coming out specifically on side hustles, ins and outs of what to do, what to consider, and how to avoid getting scammed. Um, and if you ever have any doubts, if you have something that you're looking into and you're wondering whether it is a legit side hustle or a scam, feel free to email us uh, or submit it on our website. More than happy to take a look. Uh, that's L-E-I-B-E-L at yieldsforyou.com. Um, and I'll take a look and let you know if it is legit or not. Really interesting. So, I'm guessing that you have some favorite side hustles you might want to share with us today. In my favorite side hustles, uh, other than consulting, right? Other than consulting, which I think is really great, um, you you always have you know Uber Eats and you know Uber and that kind of stuff, which I you know it's a great you know making a little bit of money. 
Um, what I think also is there's this knowledge economy that's growing. It, it is a business. I, I will add that caveat. It is a business. You're creating a business from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you have 30, 50 years of experience, of knowledge, of doing the same thing, right? And right now, the average worker stays in the same job, what, three to five years before moving on employers, even moving on careers. The, that's not true of the baby boomers. That's not true of the generation, you know, X, Ys, right? They, they've been in their jobs for a while. They have institutional knowledge. That institutional knowledge, that knowledge that you have of just how things work, you can monetize that. You can create a course, a book. You can sell that. Um, so I, I highly recommend that you actually take the time to do it. Um, take the time to do it. Partner up with somebody who knows the business. Go find a 20-year-old who knows marketing, <laughs> who can sell on TikTok and Facebook, mm-hmm. and split it 50-50 because they'll, they'll be more than happy to go sell it. Um, and you have the knowledge, right? Um, so that, that to me is the best. Team up with a young, uh, young one and, and sell with them. Uh, second to that is go on freelancer.com, go on fiverr.com, go on Upwork, go over there, see what people are doing that you can offer your experience that you look at it and you say, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, you know what? Uh, um, I, I have an extra few hours this weekend or I, you know, I see this, this project that really entices me. I want to take it on, right? Go take it on. Make, a, make an extra few hundred bucks, an extra few thousand bucks. It can be a full-time job. It can be a part-time job. It can be whatever you want. So are there some side hustles, liable that are specifically for retirees? Specifically to retirees? There are, there are, there are part-time jobs that are specifically to retirees. Um, you know, there are things, you know, like parking attendants and, you know, things like that that are more conducive because they're, they're, they're more uh, designed to be, uh, part-time, mm-hmm. right? Like they're, they're, they're sign up when you can do it, when you want to do it. They don't involve a lot of, you know, you do physical labor and they're, um, you know, but they, they exist. They don't make a lot of money. Um, but I would, I would really implore you look online because that's going to be the most conducive for you. Uh, the other thing, consulting. Oh, there's also, uh, you can be on a board of directors. There's a whole, wow. <laughs> there's a whole world of being on board of directors. Again, leveraging that knowledge, right? This whole new world of knowledge, selling your knowledge and experience. Interesting. How much can you make being on a board of directors? I think the average board of director um, makes $50,000 a year. Holy moly. Um, yeah. Now, now I, I don't think as the average retiree will make that kind of money. But, <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, you go volunteer for your local Rotary Club, right? You go volunteer your local country club. Maybe you get free membership there, right? Maybe you get, you, they all have dinners <laughs> and you now have a dinner once a year. Um, and then also you can do, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, charities, right? You know, maybe it's a 5,000 bucks a year, right? That they pay you to be on the board. That's not uh, bad. That's yeah. not bad. So to sum all this up, we've only got about 90 seconds, Lival. So if you could tell us the benefits of having a side hustle in retirement. The benefit of a side hustle, number one, it gives you a stream of income in retirement that's not tied to your assets, 
um, that allows you to kind of turn it on and off whenever you want. So when the market is going down and you don't want to pull money out of the market to live off of, you have another source of income that you can rely on. Uh, it gives you an extra safety cushion. Um, so that, I think, is really valuable. The other thing it does is it allows people to retire sooner than they otherwise would be able to because maybe instead of having to have everything you need to retire, you retire part-time or you retire and maybe you just work a month or two or you work you know, online jobs to supplement your uh, savings because you can make your savings stretch that way. Um, if you make it last longer by having a side hustle. Wow. Side hustles. Who knew that it could be so lucrative and so, and I can imagine so much fun for people because they already have this institutional knowledge. Yields4u.com. Yields, the number four, the letter u.com. And you have a course there. And if you like more information, go ahead and contact Libel. I'm sure there's some great information that you can get from the side hustle. Thank you, Libel. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Libel's website is yields for you. That's yields for you.com. Yields, the number four, the letter u.com. And more new beginnings is straight ahead. Thanks so much for listening to New Beginnings. Now it's time for the lighter side. A new study suggests that bees can play, becoming the first insects thought to exhibit that behavior. Play in animals is any activity that is repeatedly engaged in that doesn't provide them with food, shelter, or other benefits, and has been observed in all manner of creatures, but mostly mammals and birds. The new study revisits earlier work where bumblebees were encouraged to engage with multicolored rolling balls in exchange for sugar, except this time, they stripped out the food incentive. Over the course of 54 hours, the 45 bees in the study engaged in ball rolling actions 910 times, which they considered evidence of play. In Greece, two thieves ambushed a supermarket employee as he was taking cash to the bank. The men were armed with only ketchup. Police say the thieves jumped out of the bushes and threw two big bags of ketchup on the front window to stop the car. The man fought with his attackers who managed to flee on a motorcycle with only a fraction of the money he was carrying. And with leaves falling, many are now pressing homeowners to not bag their leaves and instead mow them and leave them on the lawn. Every year, 8 million tons of leaves are put into plastic bags and sent to landfills, which is wasteful on a couple of different counts. When sent to landfills, the leaves don't have enough oxygen to properly decompose and will release a considerable amount of methane. Leaves help grass by decaying and putting nutrients back in the soil. And how many days have you been alive? A friend on social media shared as of today i've been alive ten thousand days you know we love birthdays and i suggest we should have celebration for benchmarks like ten thousand fifteen twenty thousand days and so on and speaking of birthdays happy birthday to the like button it was 15 years ago this week that like appeared on social media services the button originally debuted on the platform called friend feed at the time it just looked like the blue hyperlink with the word like FriendFeed, which was acquired by Facebook in 2009 and shut down in 2015, may have been the first to debut the feature, but it was Facebook that popularized that feature. On the lighter side with Freddie Bell.
As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the senior minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. This morning, I get up rather early on Sundays, and I typically will wake up right before that old alarm goes off, so I can switch it off before that irritating buzzer happens. And that happened again this morning. Just before five, my eyes popped open. I turned off that alarm, and I, and I got up and immediately realized what I had taken into sleep. And that was the preparation for today's lesson. I knew that I was going to be attempting to present in a helpful way Unity's five basic principles, specifically principle one and two. And as I was beginning to wake up, I became aware that the room was bright. And I have only one window. And there was streaming in all of this light. And I thought, what's going on? Is there an emergency outside? And I looked out my window and there was the glorious hunter's moon full in the sky. And it was throwing the moonlight, lighting my whole room. And suddenly I realized, just like Patricia's song, This was a metaphor for my lesson today. Great is thy faithfulness. The light is always there if we look. And like it poured into my room, the light pours up on us and creates warmth within us. It was a beautiful metaphor of inspiration to realize, not to just think about how unity has prepared these principles, how Charles Fillmore first wrote them down for unity, but to actually feel them. To feel that wow in my heart. To realize the unfailing faithfulness of God to us. I know, if you're like me, and like many people in the world, we may waver in our faithfulness, in our consistency, in our steadfastness, in how we live, act, and relate in life. But God is ever faithful. And so we move in that direction. As I said earlier, people all over the world this week, as they come together in their faith traditions, are essentially doing the same thing. Turning their attention Godward. That is to the source as they understand it and as they celebrate it. And so shall we. This month, this month of Sundays, there happen to be five, we're looking at the five principles of unity. 
And these principles were conceived by Charles Fillmore, and then later in the 1990s, his great-granddaughter, Reverend Connie Fillmore Bazzi, wrote them in more contemporary language, a little less complex sentences as her great-grandfather. And that is the essential teaching that our Unity World Headquarters, all of our churches around the world, put forth. And not as a serious, difficult, complicated set of principles. These principles are given to us as a way to help us look Godward. Look to the inner truth. Look to that which invisibly but powerfully stands behind everything good in our life, our communities, our world. But remember that key. They're tools not for God. We don't believe that spirit needs such tools. These tools are for us to help us look and search for the truth in which we live, in which we are. You may be interested in one of the prayer cards down in the lobby entitled, The Search. Myrtle Fillmore, mother of unity, wrote it in the late 19th century. It was an expression of her own seeking, her own Looking, what am I? What am I? And somebody titled it Myrtle Fillmore's The Search. So you might want to pick one up on your way out while they last. I wasn't with you last week. I had a particular mission. I had intended to drive down to Missouri to see my friend of 40 years in unity who's in hospice care and close to his transition. And it was a little challenging because he called me and he said, James, don't come. Don't make that thousand-mile trip. I may not even be conscious. And that was a little hard to accept because I wanted to see him. But I honored his choice and instead went down to Iowa to spend a few quiet days with a mutual friend that she and I might hold quiet spiritual space, as our chaplains call it, just aware that our friend was about to say goodbye and just hold that space. So that's where I was last week, and good old Gerald Evans was willing to speak for me and to actually kick off this series on the five principles of unity. And I did have the opportunity to see him give that lesson online. That first principle, simply put, God is all. God is absolute good everywhere present. 
And I encourage you as we go through this, it's not that difficult. I often tell students in my classes, take that affirmation or that principle and by practice, memorize it. Not because I'm going to give you a test or a quiz, don't worry. Memorize it so that it is right at the tip of your tongue when you're seeking, when you're looking, when you need a reminder of the faithfulness of your God. And I tell students, if you struggle to recall it word for word, that's just an indication that you need to practice it a little more. God is all. The complete principle, number one, is God is absolute good everywhere present. How does that feel? Does it firm up your faithfulness? You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the senior minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. I certainly appreciate you joining us on New Beginnings, and today is National Donut Day. History disputes the origin of the donut. One theory suggests Dutch settlers brought donuts to North America, much like they brought other traditional American desserts. They received credit for such desserts as the apple pie, cream pie, and cobbler. Was the original donut round? If so, American Hanson Gregory laid claim to inventing the ring-shaped donut in 1847 while working aboard a lime trading ship. Only 16 at the time, Gregory claims he punched a hole in the center of dough with the ship's tin pepper box. Later, he taught the technique to his mother. In Traveling Back in Time, we look at an English cookbook. According to anthropologist Paul Mullins, an 1803 volume included donuts in the appendix of American recipes. However, the earliest recorded use of the term donut is found in the short story in a Boston Times article about fire cakes and donuts published in 1808. Another author, William Cullen Bryan, describes donuts fried in lard in his book, Picturesque America, or The Land We Live In, which was published in 1872. Whenever the donut was first realized, stop, have one today, maybe even a cup of coffee with it, and celebrate National Donut Day. And here are today's words to the wise. Invest in yourself. Today's words to the wise, invest in yourself. You can find these words and more in my brand new book entitled, Words to the Wise. That's our show for you this week. A special thanks to AARP Minnesota for stopping by today. Also, Libel Sternbach and Joe McKenzie, plus Kitty Harris, and all the fine folks who make this show possible. We couldn't do it without this very special team. And, of course, we couldn't present the show without you. Thank you for being a part of the program. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Freddie Bell Radio, Twitter, at Freddie Bell. And, of course, you can always follow me on Facebook, Freddie Bell Radio Shows. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Freddie Bell saying that every day, is a chance for a new beginning. Goodbye, everybody.